Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum. So happy you've joined me today. My guest today is one of the rising superstars of SmackDown, Raquel Rodriguez. After a stint in NXT where she was NXT Women's Champion and NXT Women's Tag Team Champion, she recently had a brief run as WWE Tag Team Champion with her longtime friend Aaliyah, but was a series of matches against two foes very familiar to her, Dakota Kai and Io Sky, formerly Io Shirai, where uh, Damage Control won the championships back. Uh, I really enjoyed my conversation with Raquel. She was very engaging, and we went to topics I was not fully expecting, so I think you're really going to enjoy it. WWE has War Games coming up in Boston for Survivor Series, which is a match Raquel has wrestled in twice already in NXT, as well as Royal Rumble coming up somewhat near the part of the world where Raquel's from originally uh, in San Antonio, and that's in January, and tickets are on sale for that now. So here we go with my interview with Raquel Rodriguez. So privileged to be joined by a top WWE superstar today to recently debut on SmackDown. It's uh, Raquel Rodriguez. Raquel, welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, thank you, Phil. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Great, great. And uh, so first question I was going to ask, so it is National Hispanic Heritage Month, and I know you had a short video that's been airing on uh, some of the WWE shows of late. What does it mean for you to be a positive example as a woman of Hispanic heritage? It means so much to me because, you know, I feel like um, Hispanic women specifically growing up in this culture, I feel like we get pigeonholed or stereotyped. And then we feel like we have to fulfill that stereotype and, and be exactly that. And so being able to be in the position I'm in, I feel like I want to allow younger women, especially younger Hispanic girls, to know that there are so many doors open if you just look for them, if you just work towards them. If you have a dream, you should go after it. You should not let anyone tell you that you can't do something, that you shouldn't do something. I think women should know that they are capable of absolutely anything on this planet. And being able to represent not only the Hispanic women, but women in general is a huge honor to me. So I'm very grateful that you think that um, by your positive influence. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and as a second generation wrestler yourself, were there any Hispanic or Latino talents that you looked up to in pro wrestling, either before getting into the business or as you've been active? Oh, yeah, definitely. And my, my father wrestled a lot in Mexico. And of course, I'm from South Texas, where Lucha is big there as well. We're literally on the border. Um, so I, I looked to Lucha as my first inspiration of stepping into the ring. So the, the Spanish style of wrestling, really, um, the Mexican style, it's our culture, it's our heritage. And we, we honor Lucha very much. It's, it's a huge thing for us. Um, but at WWE, of course, I looked up to the late and great Eddie Guerrero, um, the Latino heat, the Latino world order. And I still love, and I'm still in awe at the fact that Rey Mysterio is also one of my coworkers. You know, I get to like go to Raw sometimes and see him there. And it's just like, Ray! <laughs> <laughs> and seeing Dominic grow throughout the company and his time within the company too. It's just awesome to see it. The whole family is just nice. There's something about Latino culture 
And I've said this before it from the guys at NXT, like Raul Mendoza and Escobar and even the Lotharios. We didn't even need to know each other for that long to feel comfortable around each other because it's just that familia, that family type of lifestyle that we have. And I love that for all of us. We really just accept everyone. It's it's amazing. And it's, it's incredible for me, too, to see just, you know, how good Rey Mysterio still is, too, because, I mean, I've been watching him literally since I want to say 1995 was the first <laughs> time I saw him wrestle in ECW. So, I mean, that, that's I mean, he had, the you know, the celebration of his, uh, you know, his milestone within WWE. But it's like, wow, I've been watching this guy literally like 27 years and he's still yeah. good. And he's so humble. That's the best part about it. He's such a humble man. And he just he gives to the rest of us, you know, like he's always willing to give us any feedback or, or any advice that he may have. So it's just really incredible to be able to work with him. Have you gotten to wrestle in Mexico yet? No, I have not, but I know we have a few shows coming up. So I'm really looking forward to those. If I get to be a part of it, that would be ideal for me. I've been looking forward to wrestling in Mexico since I've watched my father wrestle in Mexico. We used to cross the border Sundays um, to some of the local border towns and we would just watch Lucha right there on the side of the street. It was the most fun thing to me. I love having Sundays in Mexico. That's tremendous. And it's such a different <laughs> uh, culture for wrestling too. So it's, it's it so, so unique. So, being a second generation wrestler, I, was kind of, I, I don't know about about your father's history, but I was kind of just curious what what your journey into WWE was like and also just kind of what your performance center experience was like personally and also just what your experience level was going into all of this. Yeah, yeah. So when I was younger, I really wanted to wrestle because I was watching my father do it. I was on the road with him. We would go to trainings with him, but it was a different time for women back then. So my dad was like, you know, I want you to go to school. I want you to get your education. I did that. I focused on that, but I still had this like burning passion to want to get in the ring. And I told him that when I graduated college, so he gave me the green light. Things were changing. The women's evolution was happening. Um, and I met a recruiter. I sent him my email. I got a tryout. I signed with NXT. It was all very like boom, 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 boom. Um, I was very excited. And honestly, stepping into the performance center was a dream come true. It was it was re it was reaffirming to me that all of my hard work and all of my dedication leading up to that had finally, you know, made it. But just walking into the performance center, you don't just make it. You still have a lot of work you have to put in, a lot of years, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of investment into yourself, into the business and into the, like the commitment that it takes to really be, you know, successful at this. Um so it was it was a long journey for me really to find who Raquel Rodriguez is. And I feel like I went through lots of changes, not just the name, but, you know, gear and character and and uh, personality and attitude. And I'm still changing. But I, I love that about me. I love that I'm constantly changing. I'm constantly showing the WWE universe what my capabilities are. And so it's it's been a journey for me. And I've absolutely loved the road that I'm on. And I'm looking forward to what the rest of the journey is going to look like, because things are just getting started for me. I feel like yeah. I am just at the beginning of my road. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the great thing about uh, the wrestling in the WWE. It's always evolving. It's always mm -hmm. it's always moving forward. Um, were there anybody anybody at the performance center where whether it be coaches or uh, mentors or things like that for you as as you kind of went along the journey that you've had? I was very fortunate to work with pretty much every single coach that is at the performance center. I got to start off with Robbie Brookside. I was in Norman Smiley's class for a long time and I learned so much from both of them. You know, Robbie really brings out the aggression in you and Norman brings out this 
mentality that it really keeps you on your toes because you just never know what he's going to come up with or what he's thinking of or it's he's like a magician all right i'm just gonna say that about norman smiley he's a magician and that was his to, ring name too was black magic if i remember yeah, right too yeah, so, yeah. and he worked in mexico too so you know right. he speaks spanish and we have that that um same kind of conversations that we always talk to each other in spanish and i got to work with scotty too hottie and that was one of my absolute favorite classes because Scotty really brought out the performer in me. He gave he gave me an opportunity to train with some of the guys. So it was almost like training at a different level, um, learning at a different level and learning from different people. So it, it was absolutely insane. Um, and just to name a few more, of course, Sarah Amato. She has oh, yeah. really changed the game for the women's wrestling. I am absolutely grateful to her for everything she has done for me. Uh, Coach Bloom as well. Um, Steve Carino. The names are endless. Everyone at the Performance Center that I have had the opportunity to work with has affected me and my career in some way. And I'm so grateful to everyone, really. Yeah, Norman is one of the ones I've always wanted to kind of ask people about just because his his experiences are so varied. You know, <laughs> yeah. work, working so long in WCW and then a little bit in hardcore stuff, too. But then like having the British style background plus the Lucha and, and also he's just he's lasted so long in WWE and he's touched so many careers that I, I think he's somebody that's a little more relevant than people sometimes realize. I agree. I agree. I think the world needs to really appreciate the the amazing man and the amazing mind that we have in Norman Smiley because he really does bring out the best in every single athlete that passes through his class. I have not heard or seen one person who has gone through his class who hasn't grown or developed in some way in the ring. It's amazing. And as you were developing, were there any, I know, uh, you know, kind of tape study and that kind of thing are a big part of things. Were there any particular wrestlers who you studied while you were developing your own style in and out oh, of the ring? A hundred percent. You know, I, I did, of course, watch a lot of the bigger men I, I, and the bigger women. I would watch a lot of China. I would watch a lot of Beth Phoenix. Um, I watched a lot of the big show. But one name in particular, when I was just starting out at NXT, was, of course, um, Stan Hansen. Wow. <laughs> and I love Stan Hansen because he was just so wild and unruly. And at the time, too, I had the cowbell. And he was like, I am like a strong Texan personality. And I wanted to use the lariat as my finish, too. And I still use the lariat with, of course, the opposite arm from what everyone else uses the clothesline. So I just think it's it's something that you develop over time and you find those characters that you really like are drawn to. And Stan Hansen was one of those for me. I love how unruly he was, how crazy he was. He was just out of control. And I just, I fed off of that, you know, <laughs> I, I want to be out of control. <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about Stan Hansen the other day, because he did an appearance recently. And uh, I think it was in uh, all Japan uh, last week or something. There's, there's pictures of him oh. popping up uh, doing their show and everything. And just when I watched him, when I was a little kid, he scared the heck out of me. Like I thought <laughs> like, this is the most, real good like he could kill anybody he wanted to if he felt like it and he was just it's such a testament to his work that yeah i remember being scared of him when i was like six and i didn't <laughs> want to go near him and honestly I, that that was the reason that i watched him because i'm just you know this young girl coming in my dreams come true i've signed with the performance center so i'm elated to walk into the building i'm constantly smiling i'm stepping into the ring i'm doing something that really fills me up with so much joy and it's so hard for me sometimes to not smile and walking around the performance center like that you know they're like come on you got to toughen up you need to stop <laughs> smiling and stan hansen really helped me transform into that scary 
badass, I'm going to rip your head off kind of personality. And I yeah. still, I still watch his stuff. I still look to him and to, um, uh, Harley as well, because he as Ooh. well was very like, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you gotten to, have you gotten to talk to Stan Hansen at all? I know he's been around a little bit in the hall of fames and stuff like that over the years, but have, have you gotten to interact with him at all? No, no, but honestly, it would be an absolute honor if I ever got the opportunity to speak with him. I would love to tell him how much he's inspired me and inspired my character and really helped build my career and and put me in the position that I am now because if it wasn't for him and me watching his film and learning his aggressive style I don't know if I would be in the position I'm in today so I'm really appreciative to ever, all of his work and his artistic take on it very good now he just seems like a nice grandfatherly man oh. too. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't seem like the guy that it would scare the heck out of me when I was a he little will kid, always but, be Stan Hansen oh my god us. you watch some of those some of those videos are so fun to watch with him he's yeah he's so he's so very very good yes um, so you're in the WWE system for years, training, wrestling in front of fans, doing your thing. You align yourself with Dakota Kai and then boom, it's empty arenas for years. What did you <laughs> learn about yourself and your ability in the time that, that uh, you went through that? You know, it's funny because I, I did have my debut when I aligned myself with Dakota Kai at NXT TakeOver in Portland. And that was my first... NXT takeover. That was my first time being in front of a crowd of more than a thousand people. So it, it was, it was jaw dropping walking out there and looking out into the stands after I threw Tegan through a table. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Whoa, like this is mind blowing. And then, like you said, immediately to go into lockdown and have zero fans and be performing in front of crickets because that's really what we were doing you know we were trying to keep nxt going and alive at full sale and we didn't have any crowds it it really tests you as an athlete and as a performer on how much you can bring the energy yourself because when you have an audience there and they're screaming for you and they're cheering for you you feel it you know you feel their excitement you feel how happy they are and how excited they are to be a part of what you're making right now and when they're not there, you really feel that too. There's something missing. So we had to really push ourselves to keep the energy up, to keep our energy, keep our stamina up, to keep going throughout these stories and, and matches that we were trying to tell. And it was really, really difficult, but it made me more appreciate the fans that we have now. And now that I get the opportunity to perform on SmackDown and go to these live events like Stockton that we were just in this weekend, and we're going to Arizona again soon and being in front of these fans, I'm just like, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much because you don't know how much y'all's energy means to us as performers and how much your reactions mean to us. It really helps us know that we are doing something positive, you know, for the community and providing an escape for people. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I wanted to break this down a little bit. So with Aaliyah recently, you, you won the tournament to become the women's tag team champions, beating Dakota Kai and Eos Kai, obviously then having a rematch and it goes the other way. But looking at that match, I realized like, gosh, you know, you had deep history with everybody in there. First, hitting on Dakota Kai a little bit. How would you describe her significance to your career, both as a, as a partner and as a rival? I've said this a million times. I absolutely adore Dakota Kai. Whether we are rivals or whether we are partners, I learn something new from her every time I'm in the ring. She took me under her wing um, at NXT Portland, and she really helped me develop myself into the Raquel that I am today. So I really am appreciative to her and all of her years of experience. And, and being her partner was fun, but being her enemy is just that much funner. I just love <laughs> being that girl's little butt, you know? <laughs> 
And she's absolutely one of my favorite wrestlers too. So I'll just throw that in there as well. I was very happy to see her uh, come back at uh, at SummerSlam because uh, I think there's still a lot left in the, uh, in the in the for people to see from her. So then, yeah. like Io Sky, Io Shirai, you know, you, you face several, you know, many times in NXT, and now here you are again. You know, is she but- she's been called the best in the world for a reason. Io Sky is just insane that girl jumps from i mean she jumped from a 20-foot skull at nxt takeover when i won the title off of her so i don't know what to expect from and speaking of war games i just talked about her putting that trash can over her head and like blindly jumping onto all of us <laughs> she's insane i absolutely adore eo2 and i love working her as well because of because of what we create in there i feel like her and i we create something different we create that big man, little man story, but in a different way. And it's creative and it's different and, and it's women doing it, you know? So it's, it's just like, yeah. <laughs> and then um, I want to get back to war games in a second, but you and Aaliyah, I'm looking up, you know, kind of your history too. I think uh, your first match in NXT, she was in a battle Royal with you. And I think you, you look over time and it's like, she's in there with you a whole bunch of times. And then now you're you're in a tag team with her and you're winning the championships for the first time. So what 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 is her uh, connection to you like? Oh my gosh, I love Aaliyah. I really do. She came into the performance center so young, you know, and so um we immediately got along. We never had any issues or any conflicts or anything like that. So I immediately was drawn to her because of her quirky, fun, positive attitude. And I love seeing her grow in success. And when she got the call up, I was so happy for her as well, because she really, she really has worked her butt off. That girl has sacrificed a lot. Um, coming away from her family, especially being from Canada, you know, she's like a long distance away from her family at such a young age. It has to be so difficult, but she has handled it like a pro. And I know people think that we were just like randomly put together. But the funny thing is, is when I got the call up, Aaliyah was one of the first people to congratulate me. She was one of the first people at SmackDown to be like, hey, you want to ride together? You want to do that? Like, you know, she welcomes me like that because we are friends. So it wasn't just random. Um, so I was very excited to be working with her as a tag, as a tag team and to come up with the bougie and the beast name and to go out there. And honestly, like every time we go out there, we were just being us and we were just having fun. And that was the best part about it because we didn't have to, you know, like pretend or anything. It was like, let's go do what we love to do and let's have fun doing it. And I think that portrayed across the screen to everyone. And people were really starting to see that from us. And what, what part of you connects so well with the genre of pro wrestling? You mentioned a little bit of the creative aspect in there to kind of come up with different things, names and, and looks and stuff like that. There's the wrestling side, there's the talking side. What part of this all kind of appealed to, you know, an athlete that was trying to kind of make her way and then uh, and make her way through this business? I I think it was, it's honestly all of it. It's It's the opportunity to get to be yourself, but times a hundred. You know, so like if some days I really I really connect sometimes to Disney villains and sometimes like I want to be a villain. Um, So maybe, you know, I want to let that bad girl side in me out. And this is the opportunity to do it. And not only do you get a chance to portray these evil or good characters, but you get to physically perform. And me as an athlete, I have been nonstop since I was a child. And I. I've also, you know, I was, it was hard for me younger too, because I've always been the taller girl. I've always been um, the bigger person on the team or in class or in school. So I've always been different and finding this outlet for me has been absolutely vital. I feel like my confidence has gone through the roof because I'm able to use what God has given me and able to use my body and my strength in a positive way and represent it in a positive way as well. So it's, I love every aspect of it, the physical part, the, the, the theatrical part, the the talking part, all of it, every single bit. Wrestling is just 
it's just always been in my blood. And I joke because my dad was actually out wrestling the day I was born. So I think I was born into this, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And I think it's an aspect that a lot of people don't understand about pro wrestling is that you aren't playing a character. You basically are the character. Exactly. You're not going to see, you know, Tom Cruise walking down the street in character, but you might be a wrestler. You know, a wrestler has to kind of be both things at times. Yeah, it's it's literally us times 100. You know what I mean? We get to just be ourselves, but really put it in an elevated, grander stage. So it's just so much fun. There's really no other words for it. I, I absolutely adore this. So you're uh, I was you mentioned war games before you're you're two and oh in the war games. Um, what are those like to wrestle in? I, I uh, would you like to be in this year's women's version in Boston? And I, I think Dakota and EO have actually been in all three to this point, all three women's war games. So what's what's that whole deal like? It is. And Phil, I'm going to say this. My favorite. It is absolutely my favorite. All right. <laughs> I am a two-time War Games champion. I just want to throw that out there. So I feel like I have some good experience under my belt as well. I would love to be in this year's War Games. I absolutely would love it. There's so much just action in two rings that are next to each other. And then the cage and the weapons that get involved. And you don't know who's going to get called in first. And speaking of Dakota Kai, again, she is the absolute athlete of war games i I forgot what what the actual word is that she uses for it but she she literally has started all three in a row and she's gone until the very end that girl just goes and that's what i really appreciate or appreciate about dakota is that she is an absolute athlete and so i'm excited war games (laughs) yeah she is the workhorse of the war games and i absolutely appreciate that about her so i'm excited for this year because if we get to be on opposing sides again i can't wait to stuff her in another trash can or if we are on the safe (laughs) side who knows but yeah, I would definitely love to be a part of this year's War Games, 100%. I've always wondered, you know, when you're in there, is it disorienting at all uh, to be <laughs> in a ring with another ring behind you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we have our ring awareness when it's just the one ring in there. But for some reason, yeah, when you have another ring across from you and it's there's like double ropes with that tiny little space in between. Yeah. And that tiny little space in between is just like all metal right there. Any little bumps or hits or, or, you know, stuff that happens, of course, within wrestling, because it's anything's bound to happen. It definitely can throw you off from time to time. But that's what makes it more exciting is because not just the audience, but us as performers are constantly on our toes. So the adrenaline is like going, you know, (laughs) we're going to move to something called the three count. Now it's three quick questions and your answers. Um, So if Raquel Rodriguez could face anybody in history in the, in the ring who would you love to step in the ring with and why oh i would love to step in the ring with beth phoenix i've said this before she's been an inspiration to me an idol she represents strength and beauty and bronze and i think she is just an absolute gem of a human being i would love to step in the ring and learn from her I think there's still a window of a chance for that to, to still occur possibly <laughs> me too <laughs> um this is what I was just thinking of. So is there a wrestling, because I found myself doing it. Is there a wrestling theme song you find yourself singing to yourself more than others? <laughs> As of recently? Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I sing Bianca Belair's song all the time because when I'm watching Raw or when I'm seeing some, I see a commercial of her, all I hear is, I'm on my own. <laughs> I guess the wall. <laughs> and what's funny is she just reposted this video of where um, a while back where myself, Rhea, and her tagged on a house show. And I had the cowbell at the time. So both Rhea and I have the cowbell and she's got her hair and we're jamming along to her song. All of us just flipping it around. And I was like, yes, this is why I love her. This is why I love her music. 
it just is fully representing her. She's so amazing. And I feel like when you when you hear Bianca Belair's music, you actually do have to do all the movements too. Like you can't do one without the other. <laughs> if I wasn't sitting right now, I'd be skipping. Okay. <laughs> uh, are you a karaoke person? Yes. So, it, so that would be good for uh, any, any go tos there. Oh yeah, anytime. We pop it up on the screen. I'll I'll be ready to go anytime. <laughs> one of the SummerSlam weekends, they actually did a, in Brooklyn when they were doing it there. They had karaoke at one of the local. Uh, establishments and they were actually mostly just doing wrestling stuff so i actually did hear someone get up and sing sexy boy by Shawn michaels Ooh, in a bar. That's a good one too. So, yeah yeah, yeah oh, there's a lot of them so where fun. they just they, they hit you and they get in your head and you don't realize it but, yeah uh, just the last question what you know is there an aspect of wwe fans might not know about but would find fun that they would find fun um man i guess it would be that you know sometimes just for like locker room morale we do these fun little challenges or, or sometimes some of us will bring in these like toys or snacks. And by some of us, I mean, mostly sometimes me like this past weekend, I had these little chickens. They were like slingshot chickens. So I was shooting them at people, but they were just these tiny little, you know, little rubber things just to like lighten up the mood. Yeah. Um, we also do things like I brought a masa pan, which is a very famous uh, Mexican candy and it's just crushed peanuts. But the goal is to unwrap it without breaking it because it's literally powder, right? So this thing could crack at any minute. So you just have to be very careful opening it. And I uh, just posted a story of Liv trying to do it. So it's just little things like that that we try to like, you know, keep each other going and happy and keep everything, all the moods happy and backstage. So stuff like that, I guess. <laughs> all right, great. Well, thank you, uh, Raquel, so much for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I really enjoyed this and I really, I'm really enjoying uh, everything you're doing over on SmackDown and in WWE. Uh, it's been really, really fun to watch your, uh, your journey and your evolution over time. Thank you. That means so much. I appreciate that, Phil. And thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. And, uh, you know, safe travels and uh, with everything uh, going on as well. Thank you. You too. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I'd like to thank Raquel Rodriguez for joining me today. And I'd also like to thank Adam Hopkins from WWE. Join us next week where our guest is one half of the now, a tag team that's currently featured on the NWA, accomplished veteran Hale Collins. Hail someone I've personally known for a long time, and we had a great conversation, so you'll definitely want to check that out. Thanks again, everyone, and have a great week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.